Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the georgine rice show podcast this program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 kpdq we hope you enjoy the show well good afternoon and welcome to the monday edition of the georgine rice show james blinn producing dave king engineering in portland pedro bartez producing and engineering in seattle we're glad to have you with us i'm looking forward to sharing a conversation an interview with rabbi kurt schneider he is host of discovering the jewish jesus he shares a very personal perspective about what's going on in israel as he is uh, his uh, producer and uh, their wives were in jerusalem during the hamas attack on the 7th of october now, host uh, Chaim Goldman, the watchman, interviews Rabbi Schneider about what it was like to experience the terrorist attacks, how these events relate to biblical prophecy, and what we can do to help no matter where God has us in the world. Uh, that's coming up um, later this hour. It's an hour-long interview, so we'll stretch that over the four segments from 4.30 to 5.30. Uh, if you don't have an opportunity to hear the interview in its entirety, you can go to the podcast at com and um, listen to that uh, whole interview. But that's coming up later this hour and running through the first half of the second hour of today's program. Rabbi Kurt Schneider, host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Well, President Biden requested funding from Congress for Israel and Ukraine in the same ask in order to fund America's national security needs, as he put it, an investment he said will pay dividends for American security, while warning that both Hamas and Russian President Vladimir Putin seek to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy. The president addressed the nation from the Oval Office. This was Thursday night, a day after he visited with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Israeli officials in Tel Aviv. The president and Israeli officials discussed the ongoing war and the humanitarian crisis unfolding in the Gaza Strip. The president said that he would send Congress an urgent budget request on Friday to fund America's national security needs to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine, as a smart investment that's going to pay the president's stressed, uh, uh, going to pay the president stressed, I should say, uh, for our national security as well. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields, and innocent Palestinian families are suffering greatly because of that, the president went on to say. He warned that Iran is supporting Russia and in Ukraine and uh, the um, organizations in Israel that seek to destroy them. The president warned that Iran is supporting all of it. He also said that Ukraine has regained more than 50 percent of the territory Russian troops once occupied due to the U.S. coalition of more than 50 countries around the globe. The funding request, which was formally rolled out on Friday, is around $100 billion over the next year. The total figure includes some funding for Taiwan's defense and for managing the flow of migrants at the southern border with Mexico. Well, educators and Jewish leaders are sounding the alarm on an outbreak of anti-Semitism on college campuses And they're speaking out against the faculty and students who displayed a complete lack of empathy following the Hamas terrorist attack against Israel. 
The Anti-Defamation League, which has been tracking instances of anti-Semitism in the U.S. since 1979, reported over 100 anti-Semitic incidents in the United States since the 7th. The organization also said it received a sharp increase in complaints from college campuses during the conflict between Israel and Palestinian forces in May of 2021 and again this month. Frustrated by what he argues is a lack of support by the president's administration, Republican Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire is taking matters into his own hands to help secure his state's northern border with Canada. Sununu announced on Thursday that he'll use $1.4 million in funding from New Hampshire's current budget to boost tenfold patrols by state and local law enforcement along the 58-mile border. And while acknowledging that the deteriorating situation along America's northern border is overshadowed by the crisis along the southern border with Mexico, the governor emphasized that there have been more apprehensions along our northern border in just this past year than in the last 10 years combined. Encounters with individuals on the terrorist watch list at the ports of entry on the northern border have doubled since 2017. Well, a nonprofit media watchdog captured video footage this month that it says shows attorneys from a prominent Texas law firm telling school administrators how to get around a state law that bans the promotion of critical race theory. Attorneys from the firm Thompson and Horton LLC are seen in the video giving a presentation at the Texas Association of School Boards conferences in Dallas this month. The video, shot by the investigative journalism team at Accuracy in Media, shows the attorney explaining how Texas prohibits the teaching of CRT, but the presenters seemingly provide teachers with information on how to work around the law. You don't actually work around law, you break the law. That's how you work around it. Well, much of the legacy media has egg on its face, although you wouldn't know it, at least by the way they respond, for allowing the Hamas-backed Gaza Health Ministry to set the initial framing when covering the explosion that occurred in a Gaza hospital earlier this week. To set it right at the hospital may not be accurate either. Well, many news organizations that were quick to report Hamas claim that Israel was at fault have since walked it back, but watchdogs believe it was a terrible mistake with lasting consequences. The Israel Defense Force determined the blast was caused by a rocket misfire launched by the Islamic Jihad, another terrorist organization active in Gaza. President Biden, based on evidence from the IDF, which included uh, drone footage and other uh, tangible evidence, and U.S. intelligence has publicly said Israel was not to blame. But that hasn't stopped protests around the world from people who still believe Hamas's talking points that were published by major media outlets. Fox News chief political analyst Britt Hume called it a media fiasco and scolded news organizations that echoed Hamas propaganda without skepticism. He pointed out that Hamas committed one of the most hideous atrocities that we have seen in the very long time on October 7th. The idea that you would parrot propaganda from that source as if it were legitimate without great skepticism seems to me a terrible mistake, he said. The New York Post published a scathing opinion piece by Isaac Shore headlined Media Parrots Hamas Lie Without Question and Jews Suffer for It, which further condemned the press. Uh, It's no exaggeration to say the uh, media breathlessly amplified a terrorist organization's blood libel against the Jewish people on Tuesday. 
less than a week and a half after that same terrorist organization carried out the largest single-day slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust, Shore wrote. Everyone, especially the reporters responsible for Tuesday's deluge of misinformation, knows there's no independent health ministry operating in Gaza. Every piece of information coming from official channels in Gaza is curated or fabricated by Hamas. He continued laundering Hamas lies with weasel words like government in Gaza or referring to innocuous sounding health authorities isn't exonerating. It's an even more condemning indictment of those who engaged in this thinly veiled propaganda campaign. He added, this constitutes one of the most flagrant and consequential failures of the American press in decades, and the full measure of its repercussions will likely not be known for years to come. Well, the prestige media that lecture everyone else about being um, patsies for disinformation ought to be humble and more apologetic about how they report on mass casualty events that have the potential to cause global unrest. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next fe- several segments, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, he's the host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. He's going to share a very personal perspective about what's going on in Israel right now, how it relates to what the scriptures teach, and what next. That's coming up in our next several segments. Well, Pepperdine University School of Public Policy's Pete Peterson offered some optimism for free speech in the wake of ongoing campus protests and hostility against opposing viewpoints. A recent campus uh, protest targeting the Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett as she spoke at the University of Minnesota. A group of about 10 protesters attempted to shout down the Supreme Court associate before they were escorted out by campus police. This followed several protests throughout the country in favor of the Palestinian people following the Hamas attack against Israel earlier this month, leading to many Jewish students expressing fears of going to class. Peterson spoke to Fox News Digital about the importance of what his school calls viewpoint diversity to counter this pattern. I would say that Pepperdine and certainly the School of Public Policy, we have a saying we call viewpoint diversity. It's right on the homepage of our website, and that's really the commitment that allows that students should be able to express themselves inside the classroom as long as they're doing it in a civil way. But we really do believe that how you prepare public leaders is to understand how the other side thinks, Peterson said. Well, the School of Public Policy's website features the statement to say that academia is politically progressive is a generally accepted fact of of American life. But for a graduate policy program tasked with preparing our next generation of public leaders, it is primarily Uh, importance that we practice viewpoint diversity both inside and outside the classroom. In today's polarized public square, though, leaders must know not only their own intellectual foundations, but also those with whom they disagree. Well, Peterson also offered advice on how universities can improve on promoting viewpoint diversity. We're seeing more universities sign on to what's called the Chicago Principles. These were developed by the University of Chicago, and they might be customized for particular universities, but they are essentially a set of principles around the defending of free speech on college campuses. I think that's just the start. There needs to be a university-wide endorsement and support for free speech and civil discourse, Peterson said. He also complimented recent efforts by donors and alumni to pull funding in response to pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel sentiments by universities and student groups. Since many student groups have come out against Israel following the Hamas terror attacks, several donors have begun pulling their funding while encouraging others to do the same. It seems so odd that this would be necessary, but in our day, it is. 
A prominent University of Pennsylvania donor sent his alma mater a $1 check with an annual pledge for the same amount as long as the University of Pennsylvania president, Liz McGill, remains at the school, joining a handful of other mega donors who continue to withhold donations over the school's response to the Hamas-Israel uh, conflict and accusations of um, excusing anti-Semitism. He's just one of several major donors that's calling for changes at the top of the elite university, grapples with the fallout of a recent on-campus event. It's gotten to the point that alumni President Michael Barrett penned a letter to his fellow Quakers, reaffirming support for McGill, defending the school's handling of the situation and criticizing the misinformation and heavy scrutiny the school has faced this month. Well, on Sunday, McGill released a statement saying the school didn't move fast enough to address criticism of the Palestine rights event and strongly condemned the Hamas terrorist assault on Israel. Her initial statement to the school didn't refer to Hamas as a terrorist group, although it called its attack abhorrent and horrific. Well, hundreds of Jewish Americans have found themselves at the center of recent internal threats as Israel seeks to defend itself from Hamas terrorists and others who have joined in, leading those in the community to be on high alert as they continue worshiping in America. Though there's uh, more than 6,700 miles from where the war is uh, being fought between Israel and Hamas terrorists from Gaza, Jewish Americans have been targeted in recent weeks over their religion and ties to the war-torn country. Last weekend, multiple synagogues in Rhode Island and Massachusetts faced what ended up being empty threats meant to instill fear among Jewish Americans living in the area. A state police bomb squad responded Saturday to a synagogue in uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts, at the request of local police after a synagogue there received a bomb threat. In Rhode Island, a handful of synagogues were also targeted over the weekend with uh, anonymous threats, all of which were submitted to each synagogue's contact desk page on their website. The threats faced by Jewish Americans in different corners of the country have steadily increased after Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists invaded southern portions of the nation of Israel and killed more than 1,400 Israelis this month. Uh, Us Jews living in America have always faced the fear of of persecution. Rabbi Yanni Fain said it's been for thousands of years we've had to deal with this. Well, the Hamas hostage count has risen as Israel's surrounding Uh, Gaza, ahead of the expected offensive, continues. At least 10 Americans are feared to be among the 222 held captive by Hamas. Two Israeli hostages were released from Gaza as fighting continues there. The hostages had been released uh, as the war-torn um, the war between Hamas and the Israeli Defense Forces continues. The hostages were reportedly released after Qatari mediation efforts, according to an additional source. More than 1,400 Israelis have been killed since the war began on the 7th, uh, with at least 200 hostages. Now we know that number is at least 222 uh, were taken into Gaza by Hamas fighters. Palestinian authorities estimate that over 5,000 of their citizens have been killed. Among them, we don't know how many were Hamas. Israel named uh, five top Hamas commanders uh, eliminated since October 7th when the assault on Israel began. They say they've killed five commanders of a key Hamas military group of the 17 days since the uh, war broke out in the region. The IDF says each of the commanders was a member of the Hamas aerial array, which operates a variety of weapons against the state of Israel and played a significant role in the October 7th massacre. They identified the commanders each 
uh, carrying a significant title. Israel has far, uh, has so far restricted itself to launching airstrikes against Hamas installations in Gaza, but the military appears poised for a ground assault as well. Military experts say much of the operation is on uh, is only uh, the only way to ensure the destruction of Hamas, which is Israel's stated goal. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Sunday deemed China, Russia and Iran the new axis of evil amid wars in Ukraine and Israel while addressing U.S. funding for allies responses to the uh, these dual conflicts. In a new sit down interview, McConnell, the highest ranking Senate Republican, agreed with fellow Republican Kentuckian Senator Rand Paul that the $1.5 trillion deficit is entirely too big. But while Paul remarked last month that the U.S. under the Biden administration was borrowing heavily from China just to send aid to Ukraine, McConnell instead emphasized Sunday that the deficit also expanded during the prior administration under former President Donald Trump. You have to respond to conditions that actually exist that are a threat to the United States, he said. The Iranians are a threat to us as well, and so this is an emergency. It's an emergency that that we step up and deal with this axis of evil, China, Russia, Iran, because it's an immediate threat to the United States, McConnell said. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy warned on Sunday of potential terror sleeper cells in the United States amid the Israeli-Hamas war, throwing support behind Representative Tom Emmer, a Republican out of Minnesota, for his old job as the lower chamber of Congress, has remained without a speaker now for three weeks. McCarthy said that whoever takes on that role must prioritize border security. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, McCarthy pointed to a new report released by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection that shows 18 people on the FBI's terror watch list were apprehended at the southern border in September, according to the of rather accounting for the more than 160 caught so far this year. It's going to be an uphill battle, McCarthy said, of the speakership fight after Representatives Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise both failed to secure enough votes. There's uh, very likely to be a vote on Friday morning, or excuse me, on Tuesday morning. We'll keep you posted what happens. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. He'll share a very personal perspective, having been in Israel on the 7th of October when war began. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back to the Portland-only segment of today's program. Well, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, updated the number of hostages held by Hamas. The number being held has risen to 212. That's according to estimates by an Israeli Defense Forces spokesman. The number marks a slight rise in the previous estimate of 203 people being held hostage by Hamas just days after the group released two United States residents who are being held captive. Israel has been fighting against Hamas, the militant group that the U.S. and other countries have designated a terrorist organization since the 7th of October. That surprise attack by the group that resulted in more than 1,400 Israelis being killed. The Gaza Strip, which is under Hamas rule, has since been bombarded by Israeli airstrikes. Hamas attack on Israel and the retaliation has claimed nearly 5,800 lives so far, according to the United Nations. The Wall Street Journal reports that the State Department said it, it ordered eligible family members and non-emergency U.S. government personnel on Friday to depart the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and the U.S. Consulate in Erbil 
uh, due to increased security threats against U.S. personnel and interests. Well, U.S. forces came under uh, attack a number of times last week amid heightening tensions in the region, including two attacks in Iraq, one of which resulted in uh, minor injuries of U.S. personnel, defense officials said. Non-emergency personnel have been ordered to evacuate the U.S. embassy in Iraq. This is the seventh embassy evacuation of the administration after Afghanistan, Ukraine, Belarus, Sudan, Haiti, and Niger. Well, the pro-Iran, uh, pro-Iran coalition also called for a protest in Baghdad near the main gate of the highly fortified international zone where the U.S. embassy is located to uh, condemn its endorsement of Israel in the ongoing war with Hamas. The U.S. will send more assets to the Middle East region as threats escalate. The Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said the U.S. has deployed more assets to the region in recent days as a deterrent against attacks against Israel and U.S. interests in the region. Austin made the remarks on Sunday on ABC News this week after escalations by Iran and its proxy forces across the Middle Eastern region. The U.S. deployed the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to the Central Command Area of Responsibility in in addition to moving the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the eastern Mediterranean Sea. The U.S. also deployed uh, terminal high-altitude area defense batteries, as well as additional Patriot battalions to locations throughout the region and placed additional forces on prepare-to-deploy orders. I hope you're praying. Well, after the U.S. strengthens uh, its defense posture in the Middle East, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin tells John Carl that officials are concerned about the prospect of a significant escalation of attacks on our troops and our people throughout the region. New York City Mayor Eric Adams warned in a recent press conference that the number of illegal migrants coming to major cities is not sustainable. Adams said that migrants were arriving in New York City more quickly, growing from approximately 2,400 people per week to 4,000 people per week, and added that the sheer number of people coming had overwhelmed major cities across the country. I'm happy that my colleagues across the country are joining this chorus that I have been singing that is not sustainable, Adams said after highlighting the number of migrants coming to the city on a weekly basis. The Washington Examiner reported that Adams says the city will begin sending 60-day notices to migrant families and children in city shelters to find alternative housing. He said the city will provide ongoing social services to help migrant families find new shelter. The city already limits single adult migrants to 30 days in emergency housing. Border Patrol saw a new surge in illegal immigration at the U.S.-Mexico border in September that marked a new record for the agency, according to internal agency data. Border Patrol recorded 218,777 encounters across the southern border in September, the highest on record for the month going back to at least the year 2000, according to the data. September marks the end of the fiscal year 2023, meaning Border Patrol apprehensions surpassed 2 million. Bill Mulligan, a reporter, said the Biden administration has now set the all-time record for recorded migrant encounters at the southern borders for the last three years in a row. That's according to the Border Patrol Agency. Republican Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed an executive order at the Arkansas State Capitol on Thursday, aiming to eliminate woke language from state documents. The move came in response to her concerns about the use of terms like pregnant people birth giver, and laboring person, which she categorizes as woke terminology. 
and rightly so. Sanders proclaimed during the uh, order signing, we're taking a stand against woke nonsense. She went on to assert it is the left that decided women, woman is a dirty word that decided we needed to toss out basic biology and basic grammar. Huckabee went on to say the left is using nonsense words. Um, And more importantly, our voices and our experiences are being erased. We just banned those words from Arkansas state government. Biology is real. Chromosomes are real. Only women can give birth. A judge briefly lifted former President Trump's gag order. Briefly, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin has lifted the gag order she issued on the former president on Monday, which initially banned the former president from making public statements that attacked special counsel Jack Smith, the lead prosecutor in Trump's January 6th case. Trump's attorney appealed the partial gag order. Lawyers now have time to defend uh, why Trump's speech should be unrestricted leading up to his March 4th, 2024 trial date. The gag order, which was limited in scope, had prohibited Trump from making certain types of statements about the special counsel's team or potential witnesses, including any uh, comments that directly targeted court personnel, potential witnesses or special counsel and his staff. However, the gag order did not prevent Trump from making disparaging comments about Washington, D.C., Trump was allowed to make certain comments about the Justice Department at large. Chutkin, the judge, had specified that Trump can certainly state that he is being unfairly prosecuted. On Friday, the former president was fined $5,000 by a New York judge presiding over his civil fraud trial for violating another gag order that bars him from speaking about any members of the court staff. A Detroit synagogue president was found outside of her home brutally stabbed to death. Prominent Detroit Synagogue President Samantha Wohl was found dead outside her home early in the morning on Saturday. Police found multiple stab wounds and a trail of blood leading to her home, which is where the crime likely happened. Detroit police said in an email, Police haven't determined a motive for the deadly attack and assigned the case to the Homicide Division. The 40-year-old leader led the Isaac Agree downtown um, Detroit synagogue since 2022 and previously worked for Congresswoman Elisa Slotkin and the re-election campaign of Attorney General Dana Nessel, both Democrats. President Biden has to pay a premium to fill America's strategic petroleum reserve after draining it last year. A new report claims that the president missed his chance to refill America's oil reserve after depleting it for political reasons. The administration seeks to refill the strategic petroleum reserve for $79 a barrel or less. It's worth noting that there was a time when the SPR could have been refilled at a lower price, but Biden decided against it. Uh, The uh, president should have refilled America's oil. It was only $70 a barrel then. Last year's $180 million barrel sale angered some Republicans who accused the administration of leaving the U.S. with the lowest level in the reserve in 40 years and a thin supply buffer to adequately respond to a future supply crisis. Well, the White House doxed U.S. military personnel. The White House took serious heat on social media Thursday for posting an image of the president meeting with U.S. troops in Israel without obscuring their identities. Whatever intern runs that account depleted the or rather deleted the photos later and the White House put out a statement saying we regret the error and any issues that may have caused any issues that may have caused. Well, those issues include potentially compromising the identities of soldiers in harm's way. It was clearly part of the full court press to make Biden appear like a strong leader. But as with most of those efforts, it only backfired. 
Americans trust the media less now than they ever have in a story totally unrelated to the one I just mentioned. The latest Gallup poll reveals that Americans trust in the media has matched the record low recorded in 2016. In general, how much trust and confidence do you have in the mass media? Well, Gallup asked the question. A record high 39 percent responded none at all. Well, that number should be far higher given the obvious uh, propaganda peddled by some of the mainstream media. Just 11 percent of Republicans trust the media, but even Democrats uh, trust fell 12 points to 58 percent over the last year. On the other hand, we suppose the real news here is that 32 percent of Americans do still trust the media a great deal or a fair amount. Someone reach over and slap that person, (laughs) commentators suggested. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser is in the thick of Joe Biden's intentional invasion at the southern border. His city sits right across the border from Juarez, Mexico, one of the most violent cities in the world. The Leeser is fed up. So much so that in the last month, he sent 178 busloads of more than 7,700 illegal aliens to sanctuary cities like Chicago, Denver, and New York. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has bussed more than 58,000 to sanctuary cities in recent months. Democrats uh, caterwaul about Abbott's move, but they're strangely silent about leasers. The reason is obvious. Abbott is a Republican. Leaser is a Democrat. Regardless, um, we say keep it up. The best way to bring a solution to the problem, the crisis, is to make sanctimonious uh, observers in non-border enclaves uh, to have to deal with the consequences of their own policies. Well, Israel's response, Hamas's drugs. Well, the Israeli Defense Forces ramped up aerial bombing of Gaza in recent days, striking more than 300 terrorist targets in advance of the planned ground invasion. One of those strikes took out what the IDF called a jihadist command center in a mosque, which was being used for organizing an imminent terror attack. When Palestinian women and children are killed, remember, it's because jihadists hide behind them for the propaganda effect. Meanwhile, the Biden administration keeps pushing to delay the invasion. Biden claims that he just doesn't want the Israelis to be blinded by rage. Huh. Which is itself an outrageous thing to say after the horrors Hamas perpetrated. Well, those Hamas jihadists, by the way, apparently committed atrocities while on drugs. A stimulant known as the cocaine of the poor was found on many of the dead terrorists, which may explain the calm indifference of the murderers. Well, Jim Jordan was dumped this weekend. This is embarrassing for the Republican Party. It's embarrassing for the nation. And we need to look at one another and solve the problem. That's a quote from former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy after Jim Jordan was voted out of the uh, speakership nomination on Friday. House Republicans are back to square one, says political analyst Byron York. There are nine Republicans who tossed their hat in the ring and the GOP conference will meet this um, uh, this evening at 630 with the goal of a nomination election tomorrow morning. We're now in week three without a House Speaker and the Republicans um Uh, The Republic, rather, hasn't collapsed, but with the world in chaos, sooner is better than later. Mention the national debt and the annual deficit or the annual deficit, and most Americans, well, they just yawn. But the fact that Washington has already spent your great-great-grandchildren's money has real consequences for today's economy as well. The federal deficit is projected to roughly double this year. 
reports the Washington Post. Joe Biden would always rush out to the nearest microphone to falsely brag about cutting it in half. Uh, What will he say now? Elsewhere, the Post reports the U.S. government spent $659 billion this year paying off the interest on its debt, which is nearly double what servicing the debt cost two years ago. That's the price of increasing principal compounded by rising interest rates. When consumers are faced with that reality, they pull back on buying. The federal government, on the other hand, plows ahead, straining the economy and future generations. According to The Post, within three years, if interest rates remain elevated, payments on the debt could become the second largest federal program. In other words, inflation isn't going anywhere. President Biden apparently pocketed $200,000 from his brother's deal. On the 1st of March, 2018, James Biden gave his brother Joe a check for 2000 rather, excuse me, $200,000, and he wrote loan repayment on the memo line. Well, that same day, James Biden received a wire from the same for the same amount from AmeriCorps, his healthcare company which wasn't doing well financially. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer has a series of questions he'd like to ask the president. Uh, Can he prove the initial loan to his brother? Did he have similar financial arrangements with other family members? And what did he know about his brother's loan the same day as the check? The Biden crime family, as they're being referred to by critics, has a lot to answer for. A former PLO spokesperson in DHS, the Department of Homeland Security employee, is now on leave after she was finally vetted by the conservative media. Uh, Nijwa Ali, formerly Uh, worked for the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which is a designated terrorist organization. For DHS, her job was to vet immigrants coming to the United States, but her opinions about Hamas proved to be a red flag. American-born but Palestinian at heart, says her social media profile, where she recently posted, expletive Israel and any Jew that supports Israel, end quote. In another post, she said, I hold every Israeli accountable for their government's actions, even if their government is the U.S. government, apparently, if they do not speak against Israel. She was also recorded saying of Hamas jihadists parachuting into Israel to kill innocent Jews, I will absolutely, again, expletive, expletive, celebrate them, and then said more. I won't even attempt to fill in the blanks. Seems like such a pleasant lady. She's from the U.S. government, and she's here to help. Well, the New York Times anti-Semite sentiments were on full display. The New York Times just rehired a pro-Hitler journalist from Gaza to do freelance work. The Times claims they have uh, reviewed the work of the videographer. Um, They took a variety of actions to go over company standards with him and promises that he has maintained high journalistic standards, end quote. We can hardly wait to see his uh, objective coverage of the conflict in Israel. And this after the New York Times breathtakingly quoted uh, Hamas as if they could be relied upon regarding the bombing of the hospital that wasn't quite the way they claimed. Well, Israel set out three phases of war and will seek new a new security regime once Hamas is vanquished, the Times of Israel reports. And mass terrorists uh, who carried out the surprise attack on October 7th were found to be under the influence of captogen, a synthetic antihistamine type uh, stimulant that's been clandestinely produced in southern Europe and trafficked through Turkey to the consumer markets on the Arabian Peninsula. The pills were recovered from the pockets of many terrorists who lost their lives on Israeli soil. This stimulant drug, also known as the cocaine for the poor, allowed the terrorists to commit heinous acts with a sense of calmness and indifference. 
Simultaneously, it kept them highly alert for extended periods and suppressed their appetites. The U.S. military shot down missiles and drones in the Middle East. That's a continuing story. State Department issued a worldwide caution alert as tensions in the Middle East soar. The American soldier who ran into North Korea is facing charges of desertion and soliciting child pornography. And California Senator LaFonza Butler will not seek a full term. Mortgage rates hit 8 percent, the highest since uh, the turn of the century. And the Biden administration okayed a major Pacific Northwest gas pipeline in a blow to environmentalists and Democrats. Canada is further expanding access to its assisted suicide program to include drug addicts. Well, the U.S. ordered its non-emergency staff to leave the Baghdad embassy. And the feds warned that Hamas and Hezbollah could be crossing our southern border. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We are out of time. I do want to thank James Blend for producing, Dave King for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Good night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.